We'll talk about that. Obviously. Welcome to. Hey, what's up? Hey, um, quick, me and here. Um, the, I just wondered if I could make a call. I'm sorry, man. We're about to record a podcast, so you caught me at like uh, literally okay. the worst time. All right. Welcome to Highway Diary. I'm your host, Eric Hollerbuck. Uh, with me, my my brother. Like like, sometimes I send little communications to him. Like I slide in his DMs. You know what I'm saying? Roderick McDaniel. This is uh, <laughs> second time you've been on the podcast. Yeah, man. This is good, I, bro. I'm, I'm actually glad to be back, man. This is a. Uh, it's been a weird time, man. This is this whole month. 2023 has been wild. So yeah. Just, I'm kind of making a lot of moves, doing a lot of shows, and now it's just kind of weird that you caught me at the perfect time before I leave. Again. I know, I saw that. I saw your flyer. You're about to do this whole tour. Yeah. I'm like, let me catch Roderick, you know. Yo, I, I, I'm i with my friends. It's not like I I just like buy low, sell high. Not that I'm going to sell you off later, yeah. but I, I'm like, dude, this guy is about to blow up. I know exactly what's happening. Um, so let's 2023 just started. Yes. You make any New Year's resolutions? I did not. Oh, okay, so here's my thing, and I'm a, and it's weird. I usually don't make them in January. I'm a guy that like in the middle of the year, around May or June, I'll I'll make this massive decision in my life, and then I'll go, okay, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna pursue this, and then that way, when January comes along, it's already a habit. Oh. It's something that I've been. So I'm still basically working on my June of 2022. Stuff. What was that? Oh uh, no! So what I decided, man, I was uh, I was hanging out with my brother, and he's a musician, and he, uh, man, he's a big finance guy, you know. He's so he's always showing me how he does money, and what he did is he took all of his earnings that were paid to him on Venmo and made it a savings account. The dude's sitting on about five grand in Venmo. And I just start going, hey, you know what? If I reorganize my finances, everything I get paid for comedy in Venmo could stay in Venmo. I never touch it. Just, right, right. It's just an emergency fund if I right, ever need right. it. And uh, that's what I'm doing. So I'm in the process of doing it. And so when I came into the new year, I was sitting on some bank. Like I had bank and I was just sitting there kind of like, I could goof off. Oh, this could, is my, like, fun fun. Yeah, I could do some... I could just go crazy this month and not work that hard. And I, I ended up still doing a lot of Uber. Like, instead of going out, I didn't do any shows for New Year's Eve. I didn't go party. I just did Uber. But, I, you know, I was making seven, $800 a night driving Uber for New yeah. Year's Eve yeah, yeah. in Austin. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to just keep banking that money. That'll be my bill money. My Venmo is going to be my fun money for right now. It's going to just sit and sit and sit until either, okay, I have an emergency and I need Venmo to come cover my ass. Or I'm about to buy a life-size, you know, anime girl statue for my bedroom. I don't, it was going to be one of the two. Whoa. <laughs> it was like one of the two. With oh, orifices? No, no, not doing that one. I got, oh, okay. I got people in the house. <laughs> if I live by myself, <laughs> yeah, easily. But no, nah, man, I was just like, I got the money now, so I'm just kind of, I'm really living it up right now, just enjoying oh, the crap out of myself. Um, me and my, so I had one roommate that like heroined out, and then I got another roommate who's fine, but he, the big thing is he likes to like, Monday and Friday keeps together. He hit, he hits the door Friday, and a nice guy, we talked about this, so I'm not talking out of pocket. But he would just blast his ghetto blaster, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and this has been going on since April 2022. Right. Like, but, like, I started to realize, like, oh, this is, like, interfering with my sleep. Like, this is interfering with my ability to write jokes. This is interfering with, like, a lot. And New Year's Eve, um, I got briquettes, charcoal briquettes and lighter fluid. And I set his ghetto blaster on fire. Now, you might say... Oh, that's a bold maneuver. That was a bold maneuver. But has been quiet ever since. Um, <laughs> so my news resolution was not taking a lot of bullshit. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's such an extreme move, though. <laughs> I'm going to just set it on fire. So I told him as he wanted to beat me up. <clears throat> he was like, push me a little bit. I said to him, I'll replace, I'll replace it. So the next morning, I got him two earphones and one smaller one. So I'm uh. saying there's there's two-thirds of a chance that you can have this one-person party because that's the problem like this one-person parties you don't need a 70 decibel ghetto blaster you it's, don't 
So, I don't need to hear your music. So that's all. what my big point. Like I'm quiet as a mouse. Like even if I'm watching YouTube videos, I got headphones in. I'm very like respectful. And then he, I just feel like that wasn't kind of going the other way. But anyway, we all have our things. But I. Um, it was an extreme move, but it worked out. I but, set it on fire. I do, look. I, you know we're from Jersey. Okay, I'm from Jersey, and like we we go. This is business. Handle business. Like, if his dog yeah. was barking, I'd cut his fucking dog's head off and put it in his pillow. Maybe i get him a puppy the next day, and i cut his vocal cords out. But what I'm saying is, we hand- <laughs> southern people go, oh, bless his heart, and talk behind people's back. No, that is that is very much the southern thing. You got, And I have a buddy from Jersey I served in the military with, and he is very much, I'm setting this whole damn thing on fire. <laughs> He's a, I'm setting it all on fire, guy. So, it's, yeah, I get it. It's quiet. Um, so, something I said on Facebook narcissism nepotism delusion and entitlement ruin comedy scenes now the romo room was an open source comedy club but it was attached to a bar the bar lease went out so open source is not always the best business model right you need to like kind of close close the gaps and have like the peasants pay the entry fee for the minstrels to get paid and everything right yes so but ever since that happened i've been very like blackpilled on on comedy because I, I just love the Romo room we played the last show together yes but I've been like more into like cosplaying you know so I like there's a I, I also have an Instagram where I'm playing a character and stuff like that mm-hmm. um, so I found more so then we there was this Cap City Comedy Club meeting where I feel like that domain club is now trying to like more open source they're losing money maybe dragging in headliners from LA and New York every time so what do you think? What'd you learn from that meeting? Uh, man, I liked it. I'll be the first to say it. So you know, man, that I have two albums. So I have albums that are spinning on on Spotify. I've already kind of got money coming in from that source. I've never cracked into Sirius though. The Sirius Satellite is is a huge improvement on how they paid me out for my tracks right. versus how I would get paid on Spotify. I need hundreds of thousands of spins on Spotify in a year in order to just get a check for 25 bucks at the end of the year. Right, right. Uh, on Sirius, you're, you're talking one track spins, and that's $20 for that one track every time it spins. Oh, wow. And so, um, I was there to kind of hear that. I was I was hyped because um, they had recently done a Best of Austin show. They had, I guess it was their like Best of 2022 show but man it was just stacked lineup was stacked just killers after killers after killers which i've always said that about austin it's like there are some great comics here now i got some buddies from la and they come here and they're always like oh they're they're not that good they're they're so entitled blah 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 look man i've been here a lot of these guys are are straight salt of the earth dudes i love the austin comedy scene i love a lot of the people in it um has it been ruined sometimes by you know i'm booking my buddy and my buddy's not that great yeah but that's in any city i've been blessed to play multiple cities and be in comedy scenes in multiple cities across the nation and i can tell you right now that happens in every freaking scene there's no scene where um you may have one guy that's really good, and he's got his foot in the door. He's got his, uh, he's doing really great in comedy, and he's going to bring five of his friends that should probably quit stand up. Right, right. They're always going to get a shot. They're always going to get a place to do their jokes because of that. It happens, man. It's it's just part of it. Um, and that, and I and it's kind of almost like a, it's almost like a scene tax. You're going to pay that tax, whether you want to pay it or not. Right, yeah. It's going to happen. And it, and it doesn't matter. Like here, I think the best thing that happened to Austin, to me personally, and for a lot of comics, the best thing that happened to a lot of us here was the pandemic. The pandemic opened up uh, a lot of people who were who had had their kind of a chokehold on the scene kind of stepped out the way. So you think it flushed out the deadwood. Like yeah, if your heart if your heart wasn't really into this if you were faking the funk and then you like a little fucking flu comes by and then you're scared now goodbye. Yeah, but a lot of them got out the way. You know, a lot of people kind of stepped out of the scene. They shut down, but there were these new guys that came in here, man. And then they were like, they were literally, legitimately hungry to do comedy. 
Yeah. And they they did everything, man. I, I played um, movie theaters. We were in movie theaters um, and doing shows. Like, you know, the theaters weren't playing movies. They didn't right, have right. anything. So somebody came up with the idea about, hey, what if we socially distanced in this movie theater? And then we threw their the comics picture and their credentials up on the screen. Stephen Farmer did that, man. I remember he was running some shows at movie theaters for a while. Um, I played food truck. Like in a field where it just be, hey, there are 10 food trucks here. Are you talking about Mueller Park, Mike, with the picture? Oh, I, I did one out in Georgetown, man. Oh, there was okay. one out on the other side of Georgetown, oh, between cool. Georgetown and Liberty Hills. Well, I did that one, and uh, Turn 2 was running it. But it was a fun show, man. That's how I met. In fact, that was how I met Shannon Mugridge, who I toured with, man. We met at that show. It was our first time I met him, first time I met Amy. And we had so much fun out there. And I was just kind of like, man, there's, like, comedy was alive. So there were people putting together all these weird little shows around town, keeping comedy alive. And then the next thing I know, all my buddies from, like, Boston and New York and Chicago, like, hey, I'm, I'm going to be in town. What are, you, what are you coming to Austin for? Well, you guys are the only way I can get stage time. Mm. Oh, okay, cool. So yeah, let, yeah. let's hang out. We'll go eat barbecue when you get here. That was... Pretty much, I became a food tour, a foodie tourist, because I was always taking somebody out to find some place they had wanted to try. I lot, took a lot of New York comics to Bucky's, which is weird, and then it was uh, yeah, it was weird. They always wanted to see it, so I took them there, and then we did uh, we were doing shows, man. Are you taking them to the biggest one between Houston and Austin? That monster one, you no, know? What I'm talking about? I go to that one sometimes when I'm, I'm when I go down to Houston. I make it a a point to stop there. Yeah. But I was taking them like up to the one in Temple, man, which is oh, okay. nice size, man. Yeah, yeah. It's a good size. As long as one. you get the chopped brisket sandwiches, like some of them are just like gas stations and like. Yeah, now there know, is well, one that between here and Houston that is a, just a tiny little mini gas station with right, like right. really great desserts in it. But yeah, no. Um, so I've always been, I got. Romo PTSD, dude. I, I'm a townie weirdo at heart. Like, I, I feel like I pay my dues. Like, you got to pay your, your scene tax. I paid my scene tax for Romo. When they moved out and Cap moved in and Cap was waiting for Romo to die to slice in, I've been hating on that. After that meeting was, like, the second time I went there. I've done the open mic one or two times before mm-hmm. that. It's it's actually perfect. Like, it's perfect. I The parking, like... um. A comic down in Sixth Street going to Creek in the Cave just have it has car totaled. Why? Because he's street parking, right? Oh yeah. And so Domain's got superior free parking where you you don't have to worry that some drunk like passing out on fentanyl on Sixth Street while he's driving is going to totally smash wrecking your, your fucking car. And then driving off. I know. Yeah, I saw the pictures and I know Was the that comic. Tony Castellas or? I thought that was Mike Eaton. Oh. You may be Mike. They, they swap in my head. They do. No, same. <laughs> but, but yeah, I saw the pictures, and it is a crazy thing, man. It's like, yeah, so I feel bad for these guys, but, um, yeah, so I'm like, now I'm like, man, maybe, you know what, I, I'm i going to pitch a show that maybe we should run, maybe in March. What about Keep Austin, like, like Weird Shit Night? Just Weird Shit Night. Keep it simple. That is a thing that you're going to see, uh... And I, I'm a name drop. Claire Blackstone's doing her show. Okay, is That's that what kind of like that? that? Yeah, she, I think she's doing one at Fallout. I mean, okay. she may be at Fallout. Theater. That used to be common. Yeah, it's not here. She was the first one that's kind of bringing back. Hey, this is really weird experimental comedy, uh, but it's almost you know sometimes you go so far to the weird left. Yeah, like you're Tim and Eric. Okay. I still think there should be a place where there should be weird comics doing weird premises stand-up. I think that could be a thing. And I yeah. think there's not a place that's really feeding... You know, maybe Claire is going to pick up some of those guys. But I think there's so many comics that kind of fall through uh, the cracks because they don't they don't really fall into a style. You know? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Casey Rocket has done well. Yeah, yeah. Casey's doing super well, and he's played all the right places, and yeah. that's connected him to be able to do rail but for most parts man I don't know if I'd sometimes watch Casey and I, and I love watching him and I think could that work anywhere else would he have caught on as big as he did outside of Austin I think Austin was the perfect 
bed for that to rest in and to to build in. Yeah, yeah. And I always think that, and I have a lot of respect for the guy. I'm seeing Me what too. He does, I man. think he's very talented. Yeah. I think I, I when I watch him. Like, I've heard people hate on him, go, oh, anyone could do that, but, I, like, I could do that. I just don't want to look like an idiot. No, you can't. Like, no. what he's doing is really weird and special, and only he could do that. Yeah, you know who he reminds me of? And I told him to his face. He reminds me of how Steve Martin used to be. Steve Martin was the smartest guy in the room and did the weirdest comedy. Right, right. And I love Casey for that, man. Um, all right. So, I've, I've gone to jail before. Mm-hmm. Have you been to jail? Did we talk about this last time? No, we have not. Okay. Have you been to jail, Roderick? I can tell you that uh, I've been in a jail. I've never been in a cell. Well, you were in like a holding tank? No. Here's what... Okay, so I've had three experiences with the police that were so weird that my buddies nicknamed me the White Cop Whisperer. Because I was... What, they caught and released? Yeah, it was almost like a yeah. So check this out. Uh, first time I get picked up, back. I was going to go pay this ticket. I get downtown Amarillo, Texas. They say, "Oh, it's too late. We don't. We only take cash." Well, my buddy's pulling up with cash. We've already closed. So it was this one white guy was just being an asshole, right? Would not let me pay. I have the debit card. I can pay it right now. Won't do it. Uh, so the police officer comes over and they say, "You got to take him away." And uh, the police officer comes over and he's apologized, like, "I'm so sorry for this." And I went. Not a problem, man. Not, not your fault. So they put me in handcuffs, put me in the back of the car. They take me to Randall County. Randall County is a really nice jail, okay? If you get arrested in Amarillo, Texas, do it in Randall County. That's all I'm saying. So I get to the jail, and all the guys working that night... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You got arrested because you wouldn't leave. You were insisting on paying your ticket? I wanted to pay this thing, but the guy would not take my debit card. So... If I didn't pay it that day, I was gonna have. They were gonna a warrant. I'm here to pay it, oh, but the guy goes. It was like the last day of yeah, it. Yeah, and so he you, said, "Oh, too late, you lost." Yeah, and I'm here with the debit card. We only take cash. Well, my buddy just pulled up in the parking lot with cash. He's calling me like he sent me a message. I'm in the parking lot, walking in. He's walking in as I'm getting put in handcuffs. Oh my god! And so the police officer's like, "The cash is right there." The guy refuses to do it. We're closed all. Like man, it was a he was basically power tripping uh, they get me out to the police station and literally when I walk in it was like five of the officers shopped at the GameStop I was managing and I had all their reserves oh. on games and they were like hey man what's going on so I told them and they were like oh what an asshole alright check it out if you stay out here to midnight it'll take a hundred dollars off of the fee and then you just pay whatever's left and I went really they said yeah we'll count it so I said, do I got a process in? They went, no, nah, not really. So they did, like, information and stuff. And they put, you know, the fingerprint thing. And we were talking about games coming up. And they said, okay, just go sit out in the lobby and watch the game. So I was out there in the lobby watching TV, watching other people get processed in the sales. And then they would call McDaniel Lyon. And I'd walk up there and go, yeah, what's up? And they go, hey, man, do you know if I have the collector's edition of <laughs> Call of Duty or do I do a regular? And I'd be like, no, I think you did a regular, but you have a collector. Like, I'm talking to them. Like, look, Zelda level six, right? I have the Ruby of Immunity. <laughs> yeah, it was that the kind of thing. Like <laughs> they just sat there and talked to me all night. And then they said, all right, cool, man. Are you going to be there tomorrow? I said, yeah, I'll be there tomorrow. Well, I'm going to come and switch it out. Can I do it? Yeah, I got you. Right, that was right. It. I never saw a sale. They treated me. Like a rock star, man, and I love those guys. I'm still friends with a lot of those guys today. But when I would tell my black friends about it, they would always be like, "There's no way that happened." And I say, "Here's the proof. I can connect you with the guy. He'll tell you." Well, I think it's your reputation. You're so nice. It's like, oh no, I like the guy from GameStop. This guy who runs the booth fucking hates his wife. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's like, they know he's beating on his wife. Like he's this and that. So they're like, yeah, they oh, like fucking Carl. Like, so they were just like, come here. They took care of me. And that's happened in two other cities. Oh uh, yeah. Two other times. So I've never seen a sale. All right. Well, I've learned to hold my tongue, but like I, I work at Ricky Lord's boxing gym in the mornings from 10 to noon. I'm like the janitor and where I'm holding pads for people. Mm -hmm. Um, but like there's, like some guys, I I just don't like that person. And if they're like, "Do you know this person?" I just go, "No." <laughs> like I just yeah. like, but if it came push and shove between this and that guy, I would go, "Okay." Like I I already know the situation because I know that asshole. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. probably said it was a sparring, and he tried to take your head off. It is 
see you again. What's up, lady? I'll tell you, man, this is what I love about it. We're doing a podcast, but she came up, and I saw her at a show just the other night, and I love oh, that we cool. made contact, man. I love it. Well, see, it's, it's fun because you make new, so many new friends. That's probably why I do it mostly. See, beauty of our, what's the name again? Margo. Hi, Hi, Eric. Nice to meet you. Hey, nice to meet you. Yeah. We're doing a podcast though. But, I'm gonna talk uh, to you right so after. Yeah. No, no it's all good. Find you, but that's beautiful. Hey, nice to meet you. Okay. Yeah, I, I love like, it, right, Margo. I like your hair. You're rocking. You're rocking. I love it, man. All right. Um, so, so after I got out of jail, right? I, I was doing this thing, like in New Orleans, right? Where I was like going out every single night, every no matter what. Hell yeah. And um, after I got out of jail, and I realized my freedom could get taken away, and then I'm fighting charges. I realized, like, man, you know what? When I get up there, because I could be arrested any time I go out. Man, some bullshit happens. I'm, I'm trying to pay a ticket. I get arrested. Hell yeah. Anything. I found, I found that I was like, I think writing is way more important than performing. And I don't want to hate people that pay their dues to the scene. But there is something like performing every night. I, I think it, like, has not the most returning dividends. Because then sometimes people start swaggerjacking your style. People start blah blah biting little pieces off of your stuff. Not the whole premise of biting little things. You're getting your fins clipped off. And then, uh, um, but writing, if I just like a unabomber go and, and wait for moments and blow up, mo- you know what I mean? So yeah. I'm like, how do you strike the balance there? What do you think? I barely go to mics anymore. If you see me in a mic, chances are I'm getting ready to compete. So right, I'm trying right. to get this five minute bit down for to time. Like it's got to be at four minutes and fifty seconds, so I can be in this competition and move to the next round. That's usually when I show up at mics. The other time you see me at a mic, I am not there at all to perform. Like even tonight um, here at Kickbutt, if they do the mic tonight, I'm going to go in and support people. I'm gonna be the guy that's kind of a cheerleader and go, "Hey, that's a good bit. You really need to keep that." I've done that at mics. I'll go in and tell people that. But me performing. I don't even write really five-minute sets anymore. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Like I, so when somebody tells me, oh, you only got three minutes, I'm barely set up the premise of what <laughs> I'm about totally to do that. in three minutes. Uh, so I just kind of quit going to mics because I was like, now I did go when um, out in, uh, what was that, Taylor? Right outside of Huddle. Yeah, Marshall's Pub. When they were doing those ten minutes, yeah, yeah. man, trust me, I... I prepped for my album out there. Yeah, yeah. I was out of town. Nobody knew me. I could do 10-minute bits, and I could test parts of the album, and I could move it around out there. And that audience just wanted to laugh. They didn't give a crap about it. Yeah, that. yeah. And there was only a handful of comics that were going to be there, and I knew all those comics. So I was like, I'm not worried about these guys. Yeah, yeah. They, they're they not going to steal any of this material. They We know each other. Yeah, yeah. And they're working on their – they're here for the same reason. I have a longer set to try. I've always wished there was a 10-minute mic in City Limits. Right. They There's not one for me to go in and work it out. Outside of, oh, I got booked on this showcase, and I got these new jokes. I'm going to try them out in this showcase set. And if you're good, you know how to sneak a, sneak it in with your, here's my tried and true. Yeah, yeah, Here's yeah. the new stuff, and I'm going to close on a tried and true. I got time to ch- test this new joke out in front of a crowd and see if that's going to Oh, that does hit in front of a crowd. I'm going to keep that. And I do it on the road all the time anyway. When I'm going from town to town, I do not do open mics. I'm just like, I'm out here. Uh, like, we're going to North Dakota, South Dakota. All my new stuff is getting tried when I go up on stage. It's right, a- right. Uh, so I wanted to talk about your uh, tour through the Midwest. I have your poster here. Yes. Roderick M- McDaniel will be in Cornell, Wisconsin at Vet Farms, February 9th. 10th, Brainerd, Minnesota, uh, the Dennis Drummery Winery. The 11th, the 12th, the 16th, the 17th, the 13th. You you got this whole stacked tour all through the Midwest. Yeah, man. It's going to be Minnesota, Wisconsin, North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa, Illinois. I'm, uh, once again, Turn 2. So what Turn 2 Entertainment presents... Wow. You, yeah. you got management? You got representation? Who are these people? Uh, Is this I, you? No, it's actually the friends, man. So um, Amy and Shannon Mugridge, husband and wife team, he's a vet too, um, Navy vet. We met at a show, and we knew all the same people, but they didn't know who I was, and I didn't know who they were. Um, I guess I got picked for a show that they put together. Uh, word of mouth came from Sam Nurani and Lando Shepard. They both kind of word of mouth me in with them. 
then uh, Shannon and I met, and the first time we were sitting, kind of, it was me, Shannon, Dave, Jay, we were all sitting back there, and it was just like the most fun show. But Shannon and I clicked, like our brains basically almost worked the same way. And I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. I don't know too many people that that do like that. You're, you and I are in that same group where I'll, I'll hang out with somebody and I'll go, yeah, I can hang out with them outside Dude, of comedy. When we, when we, we first clicked. did that podcast, I mean, we did the show in Romo Room or whatever. But then when I saw, when we did that VFW podcast together, I was like, I fucking love this dude. Yeah. I don't know. very few just, people that we click with. And when you click, you go, that's my boy. Oh, yeah. Okay. If you, I see, if I'm on a lineup, I'm like, oh, thank God. Yeah, man. Boy. I always love that, man. So, But you're one of those guys that we, I, it's just the same thing. I clicked with him. And then uh, Amy did manage me for a while. She she represented me for I was I got to a point where things were getting too busy and I was losing gigs because I couldn't get to everybody in time. So she stepped in and she was still running turn two, but she acted as my manager. She handled contract negotiations with anime conventions for me. She did a lot of stuff for me. And then they moved up to Chicago and they started this whole new nationwide run. And they're doing, they got rooms in multiple states now. Uh, they're building rooms in Texas right now as we speak. They're trying to set up these runs where you go out and do like 10 or 12 shows in 14 days. They're going to be amazing runs in Texas. You won't even leave the state. But they're doing that all over the nation. They're creating these little pocket runs. And uh, they, they got a solid business plan. And I was like, call me when you need me. Whenever you need me, just call me. And, you know, Shannon just had a shoulder surgery, so he should have been going out in February. Mm. Literally should have been him going out. He had his uh, shoulder surgery. He's rehabbing. And then they were like, can you? And I was like, on my way. I got you. So right, right. I'm going up there. I'm going to do the entire February run. I'll be back in March. Uh, March has already kind of booked some craziness. Like, it shocked me how much stuff already booked in March. I'm like, uh, and then there are some anime conventions trying to book September, August, and uh, May already. So, just gonna try to stay as big. I just want to stay on the road in 2020. Yeah, and you told me last time that like that was how you got in. You just did anime conventions from your GameStop to your working. Um, I worked at EA. Yeah, EA, worked in the video game. Yeah, industry. and then like just slowly, like what a what an interesting career path. Like, there's no right answer, you know. No, there is not, man. I, I swear to God, man, you. Find your hustle and, and commit to that hustle. And then what you'll find out is your fans will find you. And it's so organic, man. And I, I can't stress that enough to people. So what what's interesting, I had this crazy synchronicity in my life. I don't know if people would even realize what I'm saying is accurate. But Joey Diaz yes. would sell crack to Whitney Houston, Bobby Brown in Jersey. Okay, He said that on podcasts. I've heard that recently. <clears throat> My mom was a social worker in Jersey. I'm not, I can't say because they have to sign non disclosures, mm -hmm. but I was in the DIFUS office, Division of Youth and Family Services, and it would be like, okay, we got to go to Whitney Houston's house again, right? Now my grandma is buried next to Whitney Houston. Are you for real? My mom's mom is buried next to Whitney Houston. Joey Diaz sold her crack. Mom may, may or may not have taken care of her. Ta put out those fires that Joey Diaz starts. Now my grandma's next to her in the grave in the cemetery. My mom's mom. That's wild, dude. And yeah, it's like this seems like just fragments of nothingness, but it's like <laughs> it's like you literally could play six degrees of separation with Joey Diaz in four moves. Yeah, and like when. Joey Diaz was selling crack to Whitney Houston. Did, was he like, I'm going to be the most one of the most famous comics in the world, so, selling out theaters? You know what I mean? So no, it's like man. you coming from the military to, to GameStop to EA to comedy. It's just like, you know what I mean? I just go, what? It's just like <laughs> yeah. the wings of a butterfly flap, and then and then it's like. Oh, know? I I sit there sometimes and I look back at it and I just, hey, had I done this one thing, yeah, this one thing, I don't think I'd be here doing what I'm doing today. Yeah. So it's weird, man. So um, so maybe let's just get into it because I wanted to. Well, let's talk about community activism first because when I first came here, I went to Barton Springs mm -hmm. and I saw that there was a lot of ladies with their 
their breasts out, like right. in the Austin titty limits. And I've never been so so politically active in my life when they were like passing those laws through Austin City Council. Like, I don't want to I don't want to cry right now, but it's like when you find your <laughs> When you find like something that's to be politically active, you can make change. You, you got know? behind that one. But um, but then, titties, boners, boners, DMs. Look, I, w- all right. You wrote this on Facebook, dear male comics. Quit trying to sleep with all your female comic coworkers and getting mad when they don't want you. This will extend your comedy career. What what motivated you this post? That is, I can tell you right now, that is a very recent post. It has been the most DM'd. I've been DM'd more about that post than I, uh, I'll, okay. So, I don't know if there's a politically correct way to say it. I've watched it happen too many times where some guy will get a crush on some girl in our scene, okay? I don't have a problem with that. There are a lot of comedy couples and if she's down and you're down, your genitals want to set up a play date, do that. That's like, pro- there's no problem with that. If they, their genitals want to meet your genitals, do it. Right, okay? right. Okay? And there are some women in this scene that are super attractive. There are some stand-up comedians right now, my coworkers, that are super attractive. And if I saw their nudes, I would look. I don't want to date you, don't want to sleep with you personally, but I would look at your nudes. This is as real as I can be Gentlemen. about that. Yeah, it's like, I would love to see her naked. I don't want to have sex with her. Okay. Um, I have a friend who is going through an issue where this guy is not getting the word no. It's mm. not It's not even the first time it's happened. They just don't understand the word no. Uh, and then they're, they're doing like creepy stalkerish shit behind the no. To the point where and I, you know, and I'm very much like, hey, I, I literally believe in minding my own business. But at this point, when you start crossing certain boundaries, I'm like, hey, look, I don't want to be that dude, but I'm going to make seven calls, and you're not going to be able to get booked at a Klan rally to set the cross on fire. <laughs> you might want to stop, bro. Yeah, you yeah, got, yeah. This is my one warning. You want to stop because if I make these calls, you're done for. You're yeah. not doing comedy here yeah. anymore. And I don't want to be that guy, man. And and I would I don't want to ruin somebody's career where he's just maybe not in a good space mentally, and he's just having a bad time with it. Maybe this was the straw that broke the camel's back. So I'm always kind of quick to go, hey, let's talk and sort this out and get you Before on the correct this path. Becomes more of a problem because yeah. I've seen like this could blow you up and uh, yeah, and, and, I, and a man. And here's the thing, and I don't think guys realize is how many female comics here run shows run rooms and they're your co-workers they are deserving of respect they're putting in the time just like you and just because they have an amazing rack does not mean that you can be a dirtbag to them and if they and here's something else i figured out about uh promoters they talk yeah and if one is upset with you she's going to tell five other promoters those five other promoters will be upset with you. Yeah. And I will watch your whole career end because you couldn't take no for an answer. Yeah. And so I'm just like one of those guys that's like, hey, there's a lot of times I don't want to get involved. There are times where I was just like, hey, I'm going to make a funny post. I know the people involved in this. They're both going to see this post. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to let it go from there. And hopefully it works out. The post is made. It's out in the air. People get my DMs. People contact me. And then we have a conversation. And I'm going, you're, yeah. you're about to ruin your own career. Right, and right. you're funny. Don't do that. And so. it's it's open source enough where it's like, this could be talking about anybody. Anybody. I, I, I commented on it. I thought, I was like, are you following me? Dear male comics, we're trying to sleep with you, all your female co-workers. Get mad when they don't want you. This will extend your... I was like, is Roderick McDaniel following me right now? Bro, look, I'm telling you right now, you were not the guy. I can honestly say it on right. your part. You were not the guy. But the guy <laughs> that it was saw the message, and he's got the message. And uh, right, But yeah, no, it was one of those things where it was like, man, you were really... You're messing up. And, and I... I don't get it. Like, I know I'm from a different generation, man. So being rejected does not break me as a man. I've been rejected 
I don't care. I just, okay, I'm not her cup of tea, and I move on to the next lady. If I can't fill your teacup, somebody will let me. Yeah, yeah. Keep it moving, bro. Yeah, yeah. But some of these guys, man, that I work with, some of the younger dudes, this younger generation, no shatters them. I think they got these attachment disorders because, like, also, they haven't been socialized for two years. Dude, I was Uber driving a, a fucking teacher. She tells me that um, during COVID, her male students, who were all 13, 14, would log in for attendance and then log out of the th thing and then watch porn. And they didn't tell them that the school laptop that they gave them, the teachers can all see their screens. So they go, oh, hi, Brad. Oh, you're here for attendance. Okay. All right. And then, wait, where'd he go? Meanwhile, she's seeing the screen, like a Zoom chat of just like anal pornography while she's got to teach him fucking math class. Yeah. And then it's like, but Brittany, you know what I mean? It's like, ugh. Yeah, no. They, they, and here's the thing, man. We were talking about this. I just did uh, uh, Brian McDuffie and uh, Maggie Mayfield do the Slide in Your DMs podcast. Right, and right. I was just on there. And we talked about dating. And one of the things I brought up is like, I said, a lot of young dudes right now, are more scared of being rejected for their true authentic self than anything. Like if they give you this, uh, here's my persona and, they, and they're spitting game at you and you reject that, they're cool with that. But if he presents, this is who I truly am as a person, these are my, my interests, right, right. he opens himself up and puts himself out there and that gets rejected, he is more scared of that than death. Yeah, and I've seen like with uh, having so many young younger male friends in this scene and, and touring with so many people younger than me, I'm at the point where I'm just listening to this over and over and mm -hmm. over. And so it's and these and that's the first time I'm touring with a generation who literally grew up on porn. They right, they right. had access to porn, where some of my generation didn't. We had to go get magazines. There was work. We couldn't just log on a computer and get it. The siren song of the incel. <laughs> yeah, they are. And then it I sounds understand. Like <laughs> yeah, they're okay. just some weird dudes. <laughs> um, so I, I'm, I had a friend of a friend, right, who had this interaction with this uh, female comic. Kind of got his wires crossed, right? Mm -hmm. But he sourced one bone, not two boners, one boner was sourced from this person, right? So like a gentleman, what I did, what... What my friend of a friend did, right, is you can register your bonus with the state. So when I got it to be a gentleman, and so there's a chain of custody, I put ink on it and I put it on a, I pressed it to a piece of paper, right? And then I put it, assigned a date on it. I took it to a notary. They, they notarized it. I took it down to city council. They, so I registered it. I attributed it, right? That, I should have left it there. My friend should have left it there. <laughs> He made a mistake of sliding into this person's DMs based on a little moment, one boner. What's one boner? It comes and goes. Bro, yeah. And then, okay, so there's a di what, Roderick, can you enlighten my, my audience? What's the difference between a boner and a DM? Uh, look, man, let's just be real. This, this is going to be the weirdest conversation we're going to have, but this is Austin. So let's do it now. <laughs> so, I, okay. I, I'm not gonna name any of these ladies. I've, like I said, there's a lot of great looking women in our scene. I've met some of those women. I've looked at those women when they're performing on stage. I've seen them and I was like, yes, I, I am going to be a wreck looking at this woman. She's a very attractive woman. Okay. You can have that erection, that boner. You can have that fascination with that woman. That is nothing wrong with that. That is human nature doing human nature. When you slide in her DMs though, you're starting a different contract. That's a whole different business plan. Because what was, and here's the weird part. I mean, if we go look at my DMs right now, I'm holding 14 different conversations with 14 different women. Um, none of it, well, three of them are very sexually charged. Those three are not comedians. <laughs> okay. Right. None of those three That's are comedians. That's a good idea. Uh, but, oh, but like I have friends and I'm always like laughing at their stuff that they're posting. Um, uh, I'm talking shit to them. Uh, they, they're great writers. So sometimes their stories are just extensions of their personality on stage. And so I'll give you an example. One of the people I used to talk the most crap to, and I was always trying to tell her, I really, I really think your mom's a good looking woman. It's Grace Kirk. I, I know her mom's married. I'm never going to hit on her mom, but 
Grace knows I have a crush on her mom. Her mom is just cute as can be. And so I talk shit to Grace as a friend. And, you know, I see her at the club. I talk shit to her there. Uh, her boyfriend, Mario, I talk to him. So I'm not saying anything to these people that I won't say to them when I see you in the club. Uh, other than, you know, here's a quick funny quip to your story. That's it. Um, but, man, I think sometimes when... I think when we slide in the DMs, we make more of a big deal out of it than we should. Yeah. Because, like, everybody, you're going to slide in some DMs. and Like I'm saying, you're going to slide in some DMs, and it's just like, it's a DM. I yeah, just, yeah. I hit this person up. We had a chat. It's no big deal. Um, a lot, and the reason I say this, if you consider the, whoever's DMs your buddy slid into, that woman. He never told me. Has thirty dudes in her DMs right yeah, now. I'm thirty, sure. and they are probably way worse than what he did. So, so then, what's the difference between DMs and the printing press? Yeah, now the printing press is just a classy way of saying I'm. I'm going to show you this, my penis, but it has been registered with city council. <laughs> that is, that's a classy move, man. Look, one boner is respectful. One I've is always respectful. said that. It's just a, res- a classy boner. What well, now? Here's. What's the difference between a boner and a printing press? Yeah, I, yeah, no, that's a different story. We're going to have to get Netflix involved in that. We need a budget to explore that documentary. You can put ink on both and make impressions on yeah. it. So I, I will say this, though, man. That is, uh, I think your buddy had an idea like, I know some women that would get offended if you didn't get aroused by them. Oh. I know some women that, I have friends, and they're comics, too, that have told me that, like, uh, I said, oh, my God, you look great you know in this whatever outfit you know i see him out we're hanging out and she was like i said i hope that didn't sound creepy she said no i literally would have been offended if you didn't notice me in this. Uh, like she said i am banging in this thing and i was like yeah the girls are out on this but you look great so right right so um i'm just gonna go back to uh dear male comic quit trying to sleep with all your female comic co-workers so ozzy moon he he said um these hoes to talk too damn much. Learned a long time ago not to give these broads PP. LOL. I mean, dudes can't accept denial. Shouldn't even be doing comedy. Then this believe all women culture. All a chick has to do is say something and other dudes want to beat him up because she lied about how abusive he is. When the reality is she just cheated on him. Not smashing comedy chicks is a definite rule, but sometimes people fall through the cracks. Uh, my response, um, maybe stop doing drugs and scamming your friends. Anyway, so let's move on. <laughs> you just put that out there. Just go put that out there. That's a good response. Good response. Um, I was almost in a fist fight for this person for that issue. Yes. Um, let's talk about the biology of a man, but the point is to be made from from that <laughs> a point is to be made from all that like men's biologies right like men are at a disadvantage biologically because like and i'll explain like i'm, I'm going to use a lot of science right now but okay. it's like it's more like like it's like a tube of uh, uh, toothpaste yes it's you squeeze and it shoots and it's um and i'm not proud of this but my friend of a friend was trick-or-treating uh, when he was 14 years old, and um, Halloween is his birthday, right? So mm-hmm. he woke up with a great boner, I heard. Yeah. And then um, he had sex with a jack-o'-lantern on, hopped up on candies and Heath bars um, on a stoop in a suburban uh, setting, like a gentleman. Um, he's not, I'm not proud of that. I, my friend is not proud of that. Right? Yeah. I'm not proud of that. Why would I be proud? That's not what he's gonna like. I don't want to discuss this on my death at the gates. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to look back at that point. Just skip that one. I know. Yeah, I did. yeah, yeah. You 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 die, and Moses is like, hey, let's have a look at this. Mm, skip pop, that pop, whole pop, pop, Halloween. I know what happened. You know what happened. Let's go. October thirty first, nineteen ninety nine. I party like it was nineteen ninety. My friend party like it was nineteen ninety. Yeah. <laughs> we were all making questionable decisions on that Halloween. <laughs> But what now? How do you go forward from that? How do you leave that gorgeous jack-o'-lantern that you fucked its face behind? You I, know? I have Where do we go from told here? Me about, uh, he, uh, Mark Poulos, man, one of my favorite comedians, used to tell a joke about one of his buddies getting his, uh, his PP stuck in a Gatorade bottle. <laughs> and it was an amazing joke, and he used to say, and they called him the, uh, the Master Gator. They, they did 
they did not let him live it down and he got his pee pee stuck in a Gatorade bottle. And he was like, come on, you see the opening? Who doesn't think it'll fit? It's, you know. So was it sexual? Was he trying to pee in it? Was he trying I'm to? I'm not quite sure because even the pee, you could you don't have to put your whole penis in. I mean. Was it a 64 ounce? Was it a pop top? Yeah, it seemed like it was one of the big ones. The, <laughs> He's like a big one and you twist the cap off. But it, the <laughs> fact that he got his penis stuck in there, yeah. I was like, there's a lot of questions that I want to ask your friend. And he's like, I can't ever let I a lot. Like, did he keep the little plastic ring on the top? Because that, oh, that could serrate. See, bro, there's so many questions I wanted to ask that they're never going to let him and I meet. Because he's, right. he's a whole episode waiting to happen. I, I can't. <laughs> one boner's respectful. Okay, seven boners walk in a, spa, in a bar. How many DMs out the other bed? You know what I mean? Oh, man. The better question is, how many dick pics is she going to get? <laughs> That's the better question. I think it's like rude not to. It's like I say like 45 first date, you know, that's standard. See, you're out there trying to be a gentleman, but also overcompensating. <laughs> Had too many penises to send somebody. Alright, so I was in jail, right? And uh, I learned about love in jail. Two two people taught me about love. One I talk about my special, but this is true. Like the guy goes, Hey, you see the I was blocked up in Orleans Parish Prison. Right. And the guy goes, You see the I ten out there? Interstate 10, I go, yeah. He's like, Maria, she's the best girl in the world. I go, how do you know? He goes, well, I'm Mardi Gras. Maria took out her station wagon, pulled over. She hopped on the hop, the top of her station wagon and flashed the jail. So I would get some titties on Mardi Gras. And I started crying. I was like, that's so, like, I learned about love in jail, you know? Like, if, I if that chick's down for him. If, if my chick is locked up, you know, and I don't hop on the station wagon and give her some dingle dong, it's over. You know, like, I, I, that wasn't real. Like, if I'm in jail, she doesn't show me some titties. If she doesn't hop on the station wagon, we're getting a divorce. It's over. This other guy, right? I was like, what are you locked in here for? And he goes, I stole my sugar dad's Jaguar. And I go, how'd you get caught? What do you mean? And he's like, well, his wife got real mad that I stole it. And I was like, she's got a wife? And he's like, yeah, well, I was hop up on PCP, so I took up, I grabbed the station, I grabbed the Jaguar, I got my friend Stinky Rufus, I was like, we're going to Shreveport, because that's where I'm from, I want to show my mama, I'm a king, I made it, right? So then I got this phone call, and they're like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm going to Shreveport. They're like, what, are you just driving a Jaguar? White wall tires, 1974, I was, and so... I got to Shreveport and I was immediately arrested and I realized that phone call was the cops. I go, why'd you tell the cops everything? He goes, do you hear the part where I was high on PCP? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I learned about love and Joe. And I, but it, when you when you get locked up and your freedom's taken away from you, like I really, I, I think I'm rough around the edges. Uh, it like broke me as a person a little bit, but also just showed me like what's important in life. And uh, I don't know. Oh dude, no, man. I, uh, I was in a homeless shelter one time, and I saw a guy that, uh, man, he, was, he mumbled to himself. And, you know, if you hear somebody mumbling, you think, oh, they're crazy. But this guy was not crazy. He was doing, it almost felt like he was doing a medical analysis of patients. Like, I was listening to him talk, and he said, well, if the temperature is at this, you need to understand that it possibly could be this, but you need to look for certain signs to back that up. Like, that's what he's mumbling. And so I'm like, is he giving his dissertation what is he doing what like is he just it's, parroting what the doctors were yeah, saying like in the what back is he office? saying you yeah. know because he's always talking about something and he's talking about well if it's this you got to look for these signs this is a very educated mumble that i'm listening to one of the guys goes oh you, you're talking about doc and i go that's his name well no he he really was a doctor what no he was a doctor his wife died it broke him what they oh, say wow. yeah so Doc is homeless because Doc's world died. When his wife died, his world died, and that's what Doc does. He just, he was a doctor in this town. And I said, that guy is a, has an MD. They were like, yeah. I said, and he had money and nobody could get him the mental help he needed. He said, you got to want it. You got to want the help to get mm, the help. Yeah. And so this guy has fallen through the cracks in our system. Wow. And was out here homeless mumbling medical advice he could hear you talking about yeah i'm kind of congested and i think i got a fever and doc would be mumbling 
Well, it could be your allergies, you know, could be allergies, <laughs> but you also may have uh, upper respiratory infection. It depends <laughs> on if you have, he's mumbling like oh that to my you, God. just based on what he's hearing around him. But Doc was, that, and that's what I learned about. And I said it to my friends, I said it to my wife at the time, I'm scared to be that in love. I don't ever want to be that, that in love. That must some good pussy, dude. Bro, that's some To break the dock? You broke this man when you died? He he broke? Nah, I don't want... Please, leave me alone, lady. I don't want that vagina ever. In my life, in my house. I don't want to be your friend. <laughs> I don't even want to go out for coffee with you. Take that vagina away. That's deadly. You should yeah. register that vagina. Yeah. As a weapon. I totally agree. She should put ink on it, stamp something. <laughs> yeah. Have it dated at time. She should register as a lethal weapon. That is a awesome biological thing. weapon this woman's walking around with, man. Please put that under protection. All right. Well, uh, I'm emotionally retarded, and I I put I burden Roderick McDaniel. I, I spoon feed him my trauma, and, and I feel like you know, like he he synthesizes it, like he puts it in context with the sage wisdom. I, I try, man. I try, but you know what, man? You would be amazed how many people do that to me. <laughs> I I listen to people's trauma. And I go, well, you know, in the grand scheme of things, not that bad. Let me tell you why. It and might be an upper respiratory infection or a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I just called Doc and talking to him. <laughs> Doc's on the phone. Well, you know, part of it was he that he had a childhood trauma and he never really got hugged by his father and his mother. His <laughs> Thanks, Doc. I'll let him know. You're gonna be like in hospice, and a comic is gonna come up to you. So I was doing five minutes at an open mic, and then you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> and I'm just gonna work him through it. And I feel like I should quit comedy. Nah, baby, we all had bad nights. <laughs> and I slid in this girl's DMs, and now I saw her person in person. And now I, I ran away. I, I don't. That I will tell your friend this: Do not run from that girl when he sees her in person. Because you know what? She's gonna notice that. What more. if my friend is a coward? Like, that, like a coward. That's possible too. There's a difference between an incel and a coward. Yeah, no, you can be a cow. And I get that, man. Some people my are friend. like, I don't want to come back from that. Yeah, like your friend. I don't want to come back from that. My friend doesn't want to come. I get that. But yeah. then at the same time, I know the person and I would say, yeah, don't run. DMs. DMs boners, are dangerous. Printing presses. They are, they are hella dangerous. That's all we're going to say about that whole Roderick thing. Roderick McDaniel is going to rip up the fucking... All February, he's in Wisconsin, Michigan, North Dakota, South Dakota, Wyoming... Oh, yeah, Wisconsin, Illinois, Springfield, Illinois. Yeah, we're gonna wrap it up in Chicago. I'm trying to get on at the uh, Laugh Factory. I got some buddies, man, so I'm trying to get on up there. I at least want to go do the open mic while I'm there, if I, if I can. This has been Highway Diary, episode three six nine. Roderick McDaniel's Venmo is blowing up. He's using, uh, you know, he's uh, he's got his health savings account going on. Heck yeah, man, that's it. That's all we got in comedy is our Venmos. <laughs> that's all we got. <laughs> Use your Venmo wisely. All right, later, everybody. This is Highway Diary. <laughs>